1: welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those of you who are taking this journey with us for the first time, we're speaking with artists for whom making music is as natural as breathing. Some of them are the sons and daughters of music stars. Some of them grew up in homes surrounded by family music makers. Some of them began making music when they were so young that they can hardly remember a time when music wasn't in their lives. But all of them are children of song. We'll find out who inspired them, who they might have met backstage, or who stopped by on weekends, and ultimately we'll learn what drove them to continue the family legacy and pursue their own musical journeys. I'm Robert K. Orman, and I'm joined by my producer, Brad Newman. Hi, Brad. Hey,
2: Robert. I'll tell you what, if you like honky tonk music, I think you're going to like this episode. That's this should sure. be a lot of fun. You got
1: that right. Brad's here to help me along on this journey, and Jamie Pfeffer's here to make it all sound good because he's our engineer. In what we're calling our Nashville sessions, we find ourselves in rural Cross Plains, Tennessee, the home of country star David Frizzell. Along with singing partner Shelly West, David won CMA Awards in 1981 and 1982 as Country Music's Duo of the Year. The team's big hit, You're the Reason God Made Oklahoma, came from the soundtrack of the Clint Eastwood movie, Any Which Way You Can. Then, David went on to score such huge solo hits as I'm Gonna Hire a Wino to Decorate Our Home and Lost My Baby Blues. He's a consummate entertainer, but David is also known... To every country music fan as the younger brother of Country Music Hall of Fame member Lefty Frizzell, one of the founders of Honky Tonk Music. Not only that, David is the older brother of country singer Alan Frizzell, and if that's not enough, his former partner Shelly Whist is his ex-sister-in-law, as well as being the daughter of country star Dottie West. Now that we've got all that straight. <laughs> that's not complicated. Thanks for being with us today, David. <laughs>
0: Good to see you again.
1: Likewise. Yeah, I always absolutely. enjoy you. You are the best entertainer, right?
0: <laughs> and you got at it. How would you know that? Now, come on. I
1: saw one of your shows. Do you still do imitation? You saw what I wrote about me, is that <laughs> <laughs> No, he used to do imitations and oh, yeah, all, we do all, that. And all yeah. that stuff. He's yeah. fairly funny. And you started young.
0: Oh, well, I kind of did. You know, left. lefty would come around and pick me up from school, you know, and I'd go with him and... And, uh, and and just, you know, that's how I learned. That's how I learned what to do was from him.
1: See how I you got on the radio as a teenager He
0: did everything. I was on the radio at nine years old. That's so wild. <laughs> in, Kermit, in Kermit, Texas. Kermit, Texas. Kermit, Texas. you singing country music? I <laughs> was singing I Love You a Thousand Ways.
3: <laughs> that's one of Lefty's big ones. Big hits, yeah.
1: That would do a little bit for us. Oh,
3: my goodness. <laughs> I love you. I prove it in days. Come. Swear is true, darling, you're the only one. I think of you, of the past, and all, all life fun. I love you, and I'll prove it days to come. I've not got much of a voice you that today. Phrasing, you got that
1: phrasing <laughs> down. You got that phrasing down. <laughs> Lefty was already a pretty big star by the time you were coming of age. But
0: right he was. Uh, I remember him. Uh, we lived in places like Loco Hills in New Mexico, which is in between Lovington and Artesia New Mexico, right out in the middle of the sand dunes. And my dad was what they called a roustabout on mm-hmm. the, the oil fields. And we lived out in this little camp, and Lefty would come by once in a while, and and uh, and visit, and then he would try to get out of there as quick as he could, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and make sure I wasn't in the
1: car. I'm going to say, were you yelling, take me with you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. well, what's a what's a roust about for
1: people? It's for the oil wells and out in the out in the Right, yeah, they, they,
0: they fix to, them or yeah, if something went wrong with there's a, there uh, there'd be a lot of just oil wells everywhere, and any one of them went down, then he'd go make it go make it work again, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's rough work. Really? Well, yeah, it's dirty work, you know. And, it's dirty, it's hard. He hot, he was yeah. good at that stuff, you know. He was he loved it. And, but he loved to work hard. That was his thing. He worked hard, uh, and you get paid at the end of the week. Now, were they it. musical? Uh, Dad never really was. My mom kind of was. Was she? My mom could chord the piano, you know, she had this great little voice and and uh just sounded so pure and and innocent like, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh and she could play play the piano, you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she'd go around. And then if if she was in a party like if she was right here today, if she got excited, she'd jump up and do the Charleston for you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Lefty was,
1: was your main influence then to look, pick up the guitar and everything. Pretty
0: much was it. And uh, he was about he was about the only one of us that had a guitar. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so we picked one up. It had to be one of his, right? And uh, matter of fact, this one sitting right beside you here is one of his. Wow. Yeah, that one there goes back. That's a 1935 Grudge and uh, and he used it for years and uh, you can and
1: almost it's... see the alcohol stains on <laughs> it
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know that's how it you now it's still it's still tuned up to that you know <laughs> Oh man. He was
1: a boxer. That's why how he got the well, name Lefty. He never right? was a boxer. They just kinda of said that. Oh, I always the- thought that's how Lefty got his name left.
0: No, 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 no. That's how they 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 talked about it so they'd get some press out of it or uh-huh. something. But no, he fought his way in and out of them nightclubs. And yeah, I was, well. I yeah. saw him do that. Helped him a couple of times. Yeah. Actually he never really needed any help. He was really one of those guys that was so fast and he came out of the left, and everybody was expecting you to hit you with the right and he'd hit you with the left and and usually it was over with one one little smash. And but uh, but he but uh, he never was a boxer.
1: Did he have a temper?
0: He had a real temper. Yeah. Did he? But basically he was just happy go lucky like me and you, and and uh, and everything was was good. Everything was a party. Everything it was always fun to be with him, whether it was just you and him or whether it was twenty thousand people. It didn't matter. He was just a party. And and but if he got mad now if you if you cussed in front of mama, that would be enough right there. Yeah, that because would set him off. You said something you know, bad, you know, uh, then he'd he'd be he'd be ready to hit you. He was protective of your mother. Very extremely so. But he did have a temper and 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 most people when they when they uh know they're gonna get into some altercation you know, they, they would like to argue about it first. Well, he didn't even like to argue much. He just knew he was going to hit you, and he's just looking to find out where. <laughs> <laughs> if it came to that, he knew he was going. There was no thought to it, no more arguing about it, no make a difference who's right or wrong because you're going to get hit. That's it.
1: <laughs> I've always thought that you were a great storyteller. Was he that way, too? Was that running the, the family?
0: He was really the storyteller. Really? We all learned it from him and Mama. Oh my goodness gracious! Yet yeah, he was the one. In our days, you know, we didn't have any television, right? Right. Oh, well, you know, and if we did have television, we didn't have no electricity. <laughs> 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 and uh, and ledger would come by, and he'd make up stories. He'd he'd, he'd tell you some stories, but then he'd make some up, and then he'd get you acting in them. He'd start putting a play on, and he'd have you acting a part, and then he'd get everybody in, and give them all parts to play. I mean. But he was our television. He 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 was it.
1: Real entertaining, huh?
0: Very much just every aspect that you can think of. And he was a practical joker. He loved to get you on something. Like one time, uh, we had drove to Beaumont, Texas, from out of Snyder, Texas, and um, where we lived, and he lived in Beaumont. And we got there, and I was sleeping in the car, so everybody went on in there and left me asleep. So when I got up. I went on in the house. Everybody's already gathered up in in in, in the in the living room, and I walked in. He said, "David, I'm glad you're from." Me. He said, "Read this book for a minute." Threw me a book and I opened up. There was three batteries in it. Well, <laughs> 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 I threw that book all the way across the room. <laughs> but he loved to see he loved to see your reaction to it. And he would go to them little trick stores, you know. Mm-hmm. You see them? I don't know if you joke little, stores. Jo- yeah. joke stores. And he buy like itching powder. He went behind my sister who was doing doing dishes. And he just patted on the shoulder and said, how are you doing, sweetie, doing the dishes like this and all? And he's putting itching powder down her back. <laughs> and then he'd laugh like I'm laughing right now whenever she starts trying to claw and it, itch at it.
1: You know, you're making me really, really wish I'd seen him. Oh, you I mean, you, I've always you know, loved his voice so much, it wouldn't matter to me whether he could entertain, but <sighs> if he could, that would have been all the better. I actually feel sorry
0: for anybody didn't meet this guy. <laughs> I mean, I just, I that's too bad because... He was he was an
1: incredible man. You were on the road with him quite early.
0: Very very. Early. I started touring with him uh, during you know after school sometime and mm-hmm. weekends and then then uh, you know summer vacations you know I'd go with him, and at, at the age of twelve, <laughs> and uh, and then when I was sixteen, I um, I, uh, I went with him full time for the next four years. And I was with him day and night for that next four years. And we drive, we drove all over Texas, Oklahoma. We lived out in California at that point. Right, right. That's where he and made his
1: name, sort of. Yeah. You know. Well,
0: well, actually, it was a place in Sulphur Springs, Texas, where we lived when he first. And and then we we lived out in that local hills I mentioned. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and Lefty um, Lefty had did a little jail time in Roswell, New, New Mexico. I remember that. When he got out of there, he came to the to the local hills. We lived in this little. Little community right in the middle of these sand dunes. Well, and um, and he came out there and he actually did some roustabout and worked with dad mm-hmm. out there and lifted some pipe, moving pipe around. And he he didn't want to do that, he didn't want to hurt his hands, <laughs> cause he Yeah, because he was guitar. a pretty
1: big guy, wasn't he?
0: He well, he was my size, mm-hmm. him and I about the same. Last time I've seen him, he was probably. 165 170 mm-hmm. uh, exact height the were the same right, height. right.
1: <laughs> you know you signed your first record deal when you were still a teenager weren't uh, pretty young anyway i
0: was pretty young when i uh,
1: cuz it took you, you it took you a while to get t- a hit
0: yeah it took me a while to, well, i had some you know mm-hmm. top 20 top 30 things top 50 things and i think those are. i was with Columbia records but i i signed with Columbia records in 59 okay with don law Sure, and uh, he was and he, and Lefty's he, guy. Yeah, and so I, I I signed with him. We did a few. I, I couldn't find any songs. they did some
2: Freddie Hart songs. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> a good writer. He's A great writer. Lefty was instrumental in that, though. Well, From lefty, what I read, he said, "Listen, I want you to hear my brother." Well, sixteen. Well, the way it kind
0: of happened is that we 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 were on. We we had. I lefty had a session set up in February of '59. So we left. We left California, and we had we had three dates. To do in Hobbs, New Mexico, so we we did those three dates, and that's exactly when Buddy Holly, uh, the Big Bopper, and Richard Valens died in that that's, plane crash. Okay, that it was there that fe- weekend, February the, February the third, mm-hmm. in that, that weekend, and we were there at this uh, at this place in uh, in Hobbs. It was actually it was a strip club, hmm. and uh, so we got there. It was called the El Marie's Club, and uh, so we got there, and Letty said, "Oh." Uh, but he said, I don't, I don't follow strippers. He said, uh, but, but David does. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> so anyway, that was the only time that I can remember in all the years I spent with Lefty that he was on time for those three days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder why.
0: <laughs> and, and, and we had the same dressing rooms because there was a, it's a club, you know. And, uh, and Lefty would get on me, he'd say, we're back, we'd be back there, and the, getting ready for the show. He said, David, quit staring at those, quit staring, you embarrass me. He said, no, no. He said just, just let me show you how to do this. Said, no, no. Just take some quick look, just, and, then, and then look away, you know, and, and then look back, you know, so you don't have, don't just sit there and stare like that, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> but anyway, so um, while we were there, Buddy Holly and the Richie Valens and the Big Bopper was in the plane crash. And Steve Stebbins was the fellow that was booking Lefty at that time, uh, the Americana Corporation out of uh, California, mm-hmm. and uh, and he called. Cause he knew I was a big Buddy Holly fan. I mean, I knew everything Buddy Holly ever did, mm-hmm. and that was in '59. And uh, so he called, and he he said, uh, you know, you're gonna have to tell David that Buddy Holly just passed. And he said, but but also tell David that if he wants to me to, I can probably get him on that tour if he wants to do it. And uh, so Lefty, I came, I brought, I brought some, some stuff in for him that morning and uh, and uh, at the hotel and, and he said, hey, you better sit down over there, I got something, tell you. and Lefty, he said something, said something like that to you and it was serious. You better sit down over there, I guess, well, it's going to be serious because he never talks like that. Mm-hmm. And so I sit down and he said, Buddy Holly was just killed in the plane crash. And it, it, absolutely put me on the floor i mean if i hadn't been sitting down i would have fell on the floor because it just anyway um and so then he goes on to tell me about i might be able to put you on that tour if you'd like to do that and i said but but i'm with you i mean i can't leave you out here in hobbs new mexico with these strippers i mean (laughs) i you know this is pretty serious and and somebody's got to get you to Nashville, and you got. And he said, well, "I can do all of that." I said, "No, you can't. You think you can?" Yes, I can do all that. I don't even worry about it. He says, "I can do it." And uh, he said, "So you just think about it. if you want him to try to put you on that." He said, "That'd be a whole other deal for you. Who knows?" Mm-hmm. So anyway, I thought about it all day, and then we did the show that night, and was getting ready to leave the next morning to go to, uh, to to Nashville. And he says, "You know, you need to figure out what you want to do." He said, "Well, I said, well, I'm going to have to go with you." I said, "Because." There is no possible way you can do this by yourself. And there's nobody you can call to get here now so you can go do it. So I, I opted to stay with him. And we came on in tonight. Well, I to said, you know what? To tell you the truth, he said, I got a good feeling about, about going to Nashville. I don't know why. I just got a good feeling about it. So, what do you mean? He says, I don't know. He said, I just got this feeling it's going to be a, something really good happen. And he said, not just to me, but you too. I said, really? He said, That's unbelievable. He said, I said, let's go. So we took off. Went to Nashville. First thing we did was when we got to Nashville, uh, we stopped at a little convenience we started a little little filling station, and we got some gas and he called Don Law. Don Law met us. He said, Don't move, stay right there. <laughs> so he met us at the little market we was at and he gave Lefty I was it was a real to real tape, I believe it was. mm mm-hmm. Um, so this is 1959. I don't. I don't know if they're still using real to reel or whether it was. I concept.
1: think they were still on tapes. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. So anyway, and Lefty had a little woolen sack tape recorder that we carried with us, about right this big, little, little woolen sack. And uh, and we um, we went into the little thing and he plugged it in and we played the long long black, black veil. veil. I knew that was in 1959. I knew that's where we were going. And it was Mary John
1: mm-hmm. singing the little demo. It was piano, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, Yeah, Danny Dill never did how to learn how to sing it. Only Mary John could sing Mary it. Mary John sang that on this little chain. Mm-hmm. That's the co-writer, Danny Dill. Yeah, exactly. And uh, But Mary John Wilkin was one of the great songwriters. Oh, song my
0: writers. goodness gracious. I met her later on when I got... Well, she was on that session. So uh, Yeah, she well, was she on taught the,
1: it to them at the session. She did. Mm-hmm. She was
0: on that session, exactly. We have to hear Long Black Veil. Oh, man. This is probably one of the
1: saddest songs I've ever heard. But right? a great American classic.
0: The way Leffy did it was really sad. Mm -hmm. The way I do it's pitiful.
3: (laughs) Hey, ten years ago, on a cold, dark night, there was someone killed beneath the town all night. There were few at the scene, but they all agreed that the slave who ran looked a lot like me. Well, the judge. the judge said, Son, what is your island? If you were somewhere else, then you won't have to die. Well, I spoke not a word, though it meant my life, for I had been in the arms of my best friend's
1: she walks these hills oh, in a was. long black veil and visits my grave when the night winds wail. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you
0: know that is that was was one of my favorite songs. It's still one of mine. It's just an incredible song, and I love the way Lefty Lefty only had it for a couple of days, so he listened to it a couple of times. I remember him listening to it maybe once or twice. But when it came that time to cut it, I've never heard him. I never heard anybody ever completely do a song that well for not even knowing it any longer than that. And
1: you know what? It's so simple. There's not a whole lot of instruments on that right No. It's really just the starkness yeah. of Lefty delivering the story. Oh, my it's goodness. Just, and, and it's and
0: magic. It, I stood there while he recorded back in the back, you know, and I was doing it and absolutely, I, I never heard anything this sad in my life. It's chilling. It's yeah. Fantastic.
2: How many takes? Just, just, just one.
0: I don't. I don't know any of him doing any more than I don't. I don't
1: think it was just the one take. I, I think, think. I think it was at the end of the I session. It was kna- just one take. I Think of. he just nailed it. Mm-hmm. And he. And how, what a memory for you that your first session was that session for him.
0: Absolutely. Wow. And we went well, just prior to us recording that that and that that session, we were there for a couple of days. So so uh, he called Lefty called he, uh, he called uh, Troy Martin. I remember. It was who that. Troy Martin? He called him a, 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 a Troy who was with Gene Archery's Western Melodies Publishing Company. And so Lefty had a couple of songs. And he said, he had him and said, you got to come over here these songs. He said, because uh, I, I want you to publish them. And, uh, and so Troy came over to the house where we were staying. They came over to the house, and, and uh, what he was trying to he was trying to get some upfront money is what he was trying to do. You know. <laughs> Always. Bless can. his heart. But uh, anyway, so I was in the next room there, and uh, and Lefty hollered, hey, David, come in here. He said, bring my guitar and come in here for a minute. He said, I want you to meet somebody. So I came in, he, he, Troy Martin and David Brazil. And he said, sing him those two songs for me. He said, I, I got to sing that after a while. And he said, my voice. So, <laughs> so luckily, I knew the songs. It, you know, I always tell everybody, man, you got to be ready because you never know when somebody's going to say, grab the guitar and sing me something. <laughs> so I sang Troy Martin those two songs. Lefty got them both published. And Troy left the house. With those two songs. And uh and he must have told Don Long, so you're gonna have to hear this younger brother. So because when I met Don, he said, Welcome to Columbia Records.
2: Wow. How cool is that?
1: Uh,
0: so and then it wasn't long before we was finding songs and coming back to Nashville to do the session, my first session with Don Long. <laughs> but in 1960, <clears throat> I went into service. I was I was getting ready to draft me. I didn't want to do that, so I joined the Air Force. And uh and so so I had to leave Lefty at that time. Yeah, that and, was a, uh, sort of
1: your temporary putting your career on hold for a
0: while. It kind of did, but what was kind of nice about the Air Force is that it gave me time to actually play and sing because every, almost every night and every weekend I was playing and singing, you know, somewhere. And uh, so, I, I just, you know, it helped me get my job. Honing your,
1: honing your skills. Yeah,
0: and uh, and Lefty came. I was at McCord Air Force Base in 1960, 61, and Lefty came up to that station, to that Air Force station at McCord, and did a show at the at the uh, at the 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 club there. They had a, um, um, a sergeant's club, what do you Officers call it? Officers' club. Officers' club, mm-hmm. and uh, and he talked to him and let me in there to, to open the show for him. So, cool. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't even let me in the building ordinarily.
1: I'm Robert K. Orman, and you're listening to Children of Song, and our guest today is David Frizzell, who. Has one of the most memorable country novelty songs of all time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you <clears throat> like Lefty. You have a sense of humor, and I'm going to hire a wino. Shows that off. Well, you know
0: what? I was out on the road. We'd already had "You're the Reason" got made. Oklahoma and had a few other mm-hmm. things going with on. I was in the bus and we're going on to one date after the next with Min Shelly, and uh, Snuff Garrett, who was our producer, and all that for uh, for for the record label. Uh, sent me a bunch of songs down. I had them in a big basket, and I was sitting up in the in the seat up there watching the road go by, and I'm listening to those songs. And if, but I didn't like it. I just pitched it over my shoulder, and one of the band would take it because they always they always wanted those uh, those cassettes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they were in cassettes, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, uh, and so, but I heard wine. I Couldn't believe it. And Dwayne Blackwell, who wrote the song, actually sang the song on, on the demo, or the, on the, or the, the cut that I had. And this had.
1: is nothing like what Dwayne Blackwell normally writes. I mean, he wrote Mr. Blue for yeah. the Fleetwoods. I mean, it's nothing like this.
0: Absolutely. I think. I think. absolutely. One of the greatest songwriters I've ever been around is Dwayne. And, uh, and I, I took that and I set it right here on my leg. So then I'd listen to something, and then I'd go back to that. <laughs> Finally, I called Snuff. I said, I think you found one here, buddy. I think you found this going to wine. I think it's just a, absolutely just incredible. He said, well, I've got one on old and we just need to find a few more, and then come on back here and just record them. So uh, we actually got back to, to, to L.A. to record them. <clears throat> we did a whole album of songs, but that song is the one that Snuff Gary took that roll of $100 bills out and said, hmm, smells like money. All right <laughs> uh,
3: She said I'm going to hire a to Decorate our home You'll feel more at ease now and You won't need to run We'll take out the dining room table Put a bar along that wall And the will point the way To our bathroom down the hall she said, bring those Friday paychecks and I'll cash them all right here. I keep on tapping on your friends, or your favorite kind of beer. And for you, I'll always keep in stock those soft aluminum cans. So that when you're feeling macho, you can crush them. Like a man,
2: <laughs>
3: she said oh, we will rip out all the carpet, <laughs> or put sawdust on the floor, serve our ballades and pretzels. Hey, I won't cook it no more. There'll be Monday night football on TV above the bar. And a payphone phone in the hallway When your friends can't find their car <laughs> She said I'm gonna hire a wino And he'll decorate our home <laughs> <laughs> You'll feel more at ease now You won't need to roam We'll take out the dining room table Put a bar along that wall And <laughs> the onside point the way. Die by through down the hall. That's one of my favorite
1: songs. All these years I still love that more, song. you can slap my bottom slap every my time bottom. every time you tell a joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really well written. And I and and when we, we got the song, we recorded We're getting ready to record the song. And Dwayne Blackwell came to the session. And he said, he was sitting there. And he said, "Well, David, how you how you going to sing this?" You know, he's many of them just talking. I said, "I'm going to sing it exactly like you did," <laughs> and I did <laughs> Always it. Always a good idea. It's exactly like he did it, because he did his version of it was exactly except for maybe the the the, the mod, you know, mm-hmm. the mod. Other than
2: that, it was just right down what he did. Well, so tongue in cheek, it just was perfect. You could you could overplay that and it wouldn't be funny. Well, I tell you what, I have a different view
0: of the song. I think it's a love song. I, I look at it as a, I know it's a novelty and I know it's, it's it's cute, but I look at it as a love song. I mean, she's willing to do all of these things to keep him at home. Uh-huh. I mean, that's to me that's love, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I got a come kind of a different look at, but. Uh, but it's a well-written song, and everything I ever heard of Dwayne's that he ever wrote, "Friends in Low Places."
1: Friends in Low Places is a great song,
0: well, yeah, perfect song. Yeah. And anything I tell you, his is the only songs that I've ever recorded written by someone else that uh, you never have to change anything in it because I can always change a word here and there, written mm-hmm. anything, right? Mm-hmm. But not to his songs. If he had a, 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 a and that you want to keep it's it. so <laughs>
1: tightly constructed, exactly. Mm-hmm. He was the best I've ever seen. Yeah. You know I'm I'm so grateful that I came to Nashville when I did. Because a lot of the li- the legends were still alive. Oh yeah, and I and you got to meet them too. Oh and, goodness gracious! And and you, which did. ones really made an impression on you? Oh my goodness gracious! You know I got my list. You know, I got and my list. I can list. tell you the first thing I did when I got to Nashville. I went to the Ernest Tub fan club picnic during fanfare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> One of the uh, of Lefty's very early influences was was Ernest.
2: I would guess so. Absolutely. And both
1: both J- Jimmy Rogers. Jimmy Rogers
0: exactly and 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 I got a chance to meet Ernest Tubb. Oh man, I will I'll never forget it. One of my favorite things that ever happened in my life was meeting Ernest Tubb. And it was at his place then on, on Broadway, you know the Ernest The record shop. Record shop mm-hmm. and they and we Lefty brought me to Nashville night it was 59. Mm-hmm. At the same time when we came in and he took me to the Opry. And I and um, Marty Robbins. Oh. oh my, my
1: favorite goodness gracious
0: you ever hear Marty Robbins? If you're not a fan, I don't know what to tell you about. If
1: that. I could have one voice, that
0: would be it. I, I, I can certainly understand that. And and the next morning, uh, after well, let me let me finish that little story because we went and went to the Opry and we went backstage, you know, mm-hmm. and and met Marty Robbins. I just absolutely can't tell you how impressive that was. And then there was a bunch of people on the show and, and all of that. Don Gibson, oh, remember Don Gibson? Sure. And uh, so Lefty was talking about wanting to go over to Ernest's uh, record shop after this thing was over. And uh, and so we went we went dead, and Don rode in the car over with us. <laughs> so, so we got a chance to visit with him a little bit. But well, we went to the radio show, The Midnight Jamboree, and Ernest, I got a chance to meet him. I got a chance to see him, but I got a chance to meet him at The Midnight Jamboree that night and uh, it was one of the most great things that ever happened in my lifetime was meeting Ernest Tubb, and it was was then, you know, it still is now. I mean, I just love this guy. and uh, he, was the,
1: he, was the, he was what a country star should be.
0: Absolutely. It was yeah. just amazing. And I'll tell you one great thing about him was when another great thing about him was I was playing the Shy Clown in Sparks, Nevada. Uh, some years after Lefty passed, and, uh, you know, he passed in 1975. Well, mm-hmm. today...
1: That's right, you told me that, ago. this is the anniversary. This yeah. is the
0: anniversary, 42 years ago, uh, today. And uh, But anyway, um, so I was playing there, and it was my closing night, and Ernest was coming in to take the next week. So it was my closing night, Saturday night, and I was closing, and they were going to open. You know, So they actually came into town, and all the band came down to the show, my last show and, uh, that night. But Ernest didn't feel good, so he stayed in the, in the motel. And as so I did my show and had a great time with the with the Ernest Tubb band, you know, there's some great people in that. Troubadours. Uh, Troubadours, my goodness, incredible people. And uh, and I was getting ready to walk out of the casino, and I heard somebody, David Frizzell phone, you know, something. So I picked up the phone. And it was Ernest. I don't believe it. Ernest Tubb called me, <laughs> and he said, "I I can't get down there to see you tonight." He said, "I wanted to. I'm just not feeling well." He said, "But I wanted to tell you." How uh, I miss Lefty! Oh, oh, so it really, really touched me, you know, and, and uh, but he was, he was great. But yeah, that was, Ernest Tubb was one, right? Marty Robbins is another. Johnny Cash was one of my heroes, mm-hmm. absolute heroes, and still is. Um, let's see, uh, um, Merle Haggard is uh, obviously, obviously,
1: you, 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 you know, you can't be a country fan and not love Merle. Yeah, Haggard. and and <laughs>
0: we've been, we've been actually friends for. Many many years
1: now. Well, he had a Lefty Frizzell song too.
0: He you know he did a he did a I got to tell you one little thing you mentioned that I got to tell you one little thing we're at we're at home at mom and dad's house in a place called Tipton California be out of Bakersfield mm-hmm. I'm working with Buck Owens and during that time Lefty stopped by and Merle still lived in in Bakersfield at that time a mm-hmm. big beautiful home outside of town at that point point. and um, so I came over to mom's house, because Lefty was there and mom always made a pear cobbler. Anytime I smelled a pair of cobbler coming out, I knew Lefty was somewhere. Because <laughs> that's the only time she'd make it. She wouldn't make it for me. She made it for him. So anyway, I went in, and and Lefty was on the phone with Merle. So I got on the extension. I had to hear this, right? So I'm listening, and he said, Lefty he said, I just wanted to tell you, I just got back from Dallas, and, uh, and I recorded a couple of your songs. He said, would you like to hear one? Lefty said, well, sure. So on the phone, Merle is playing, um, it, um What's the name of the song? Oh my goodness. Uh, oh, it wasn't that. It wasn't, that's, it wasn't uh, Olivia, a Thousand Ways." It was uh,
1: "You've Got the Money, I've Got." The no, money. it was one of the other slow ones. "Mom and Dad's Waltz." No, always late.
0: Um, look what thoughts will do. That's oh, look what. This one I'm do. trying. That's
1: to a pretty one. Yeah,
0: incredible song, and and Merle is singing this thing right. And so after the song played, it was silent for a minute. <laughs> Lefty didn't say anything. I of course wouldn't see, oh, I'm going to say that, and Merle, he just—it was real quiet on the phone. Finally, he left. and said, "Merle, I don't know why you went to all that trouble. I could have just gave you mine."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and it was great. The next that's day, funny. Now that's ne- funny. Yeah. <laughs> the next day, we all went to Merle's place. We everybody loaded up into my little motorhome, and I'm driving, and we're all Mom and Dad, my brother Alan, and. And Jimmy Frizzell, we're all in there. And we picked up a songwriter by the name of Dennis Knutson. He got in. A whole bunch of us got into this little motorhome. And we went up to Merle's place. And, and Merle said, I was standing there watching when you guys got out of the car. He said, I didn't think there was that many Frazelles in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and we all went in. He showed us his house, all the train going through the, the rooms and all of that. And we're out there in, on the balcony. And Merle's standing. On the, I'm standing up. And Merle's standing right there beside of me, and everybody else was sitting down. Me and Merle was standing on the left. He's sitting in on a on a chair here, uh, on the other side of me. So I got Merle and Lefty on both sides, stereo, right mm-hmm. on both sides of my ears, man. I'm and I got my ears out. I'm listening, and uh, and Merle is he's, he did a, a song about the Chicago streets, about something about uh, um, uh, some reason my memory is not wanting to. To uh, help me today, but um, but his sidewalks uh, of Chicago, sidewalks of Chicago. He played that for mm-hmm. Lefty, and and Lefty skimming out guitar. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Lefty played him a song called "My Wishing Room," that they had just recorded him, and Whitey Schaefer wrote "My Wishing Room," great song. So I'm up there, so I get a chance to, and we all get a chance to sing something. But well, just being in between those two magnificent voices,
1: yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> Lefty's phrasing was so innovative and so special and so unforgettable yeah. and you come from the same bloodline I mean you can't help but well you pick that up do you phrase, did you consciously try to phrase like him or not
0: no I, I tell you I, I me, me, me and the hag would hang out sometime we go to we'd be in like in Vegas together or someplace we'd be. Mm-hmm. and every time we'd get together We'd sing something. We we talk for a couple of minutes about maybe how'd you get it or what's going on, but within three minutes we're talking about Lefty. Of course, <laughs> yeah. just
1: right. so with the last name Frizell. Yeah, you're, there's a, there's some baggage there. Oh yes, and, absolutely. So is that a burden? Was it hard to 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 make your own way because you know you're you're carrying that name and it's. Is it, was there pressure on you to like well, <clears throat> could possibly be as good you know
0: I'll tell you what the the name forzel will open the door mm-hmm. but once you walk through that door, you kind of kind of have to have something you know and uh and luckily i was I was lucky enough to have whatever that was that they might be looking for at that time but uh as I never really felt uh i left never made me feel like I was like in the shadows of him or anything he never made me feel like that he never did this. I'm greater than you, and that's the way that is. You it know, never was any of that kind of stuff, never any any of that kind of stuff ever. But the way he would phrase a song, the way he would sing it, he, he would make you want to do it like that. If you hear Lefty, I want to do it like that. Uh-huh. If you hear Lefty sing Long Black Belt, you kind of want to sing it like that. You know, um, it's just what you would want to do. Matter of fact, Merle Haggard told me one time, he said, well, when I'm in the studio and I find, and I'm singing a song and I can't maybe figure out what he said, I just think, what would Lefty do now? Huh. That's how I feel. What would How would Lefty do this line? I, I'd still do that, you know, even now. Uh, There's a
1: song after he died that you had called "Goodbye," that I think would be a good oh, way to end this. It's- oh my goodness!
0: Well, I, you know, I was not there when Lefty passed. No, I, know I was that. in I, know. I was
1: in Washington State,
0: and I wasn't there when my mama passed. It's, well, she passed here at the mm-hmm. Baptist Church um, Hospital, but um, but I always feel guilty. I always felt bad about not being there with them because you you know that's a, that's you're gonna want to be there. So I finally wrote this blasted song and had Jimmy Fortune come over and sing with me on it. Well, one of the Jimmy. greatest voices in Real, the and oh, Sweet guy. A, yeah, oh God. And I don't know if I can hit it because it's pretty high and I've I got that much of a voice. Jimmy He's, Fortune's I, the tenor I, I, singer in the Statler Brothers. He is <laughs> probably one of the greatest voices r- r- walking on this earth today. He's this incredible... Well, you know him. He's great.
3: Some years ago Up in Washington State I was doing a show They called my name And I took the stage Singing songs My brother made I love you A thousand ways Mom and dad Waltz and always late Alice called And told me the news My brother was gone before his songs were through I wish we had a moment more At least one more minute more So we could say goodbye The doctors we know how they all tried everything to keep her alive to give us kids just a little more time. I held her hand for quite a while. I said I love you, Mama, and she smiled. She sang sweet away the day she died. But we never said goodbye. I wish we had a moment more. At least one more minute more. So we could say goodbye.
1: folks. That is the
2: great David Frizzell. You move me, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see all y'all. Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-side. Here's a chance for us to tell one more story. And in today's case, sing one more song. Earlier, we talked about the innovative way David's brother, the great Lefty Frizzell, would sing the words to his songs. Musicians call this phrasing. Here's David Frizzell with an example of his brother's unique singing style in Lefty's classic, If You've Got the Money, I've Got the Time.
3: If you've got the money, I've got the time. We'll go honky-tonky, we'll have a time, we'll make all the night spots, dance, drink, beer, and wine, you got the money, honey, I've got the time, ain't no use to tear him. let's start out tonight, we'll spread joy, oh boy, it will spread it right, we'll have more fun than all the way down the line If you, you got, got the money, honey I've got the time Hey, you got the money I've got the time We'll go honky and baby Hey, we'll you have the time We'll make all the night nice spots Dance, drink beer, and wine If you got the money, honey I've got the time I, I, I love that song. I've been singing that
0: since
1: I was a kid. I know you have. You well, you were only a baby when it came I know. out. <laughs> I
0: I'll tell you what, you know, just just I I've been blessed. I'm I, obviously you know I've been blessed. I mean, I was born and raised in, in that kind of a environment and with that kind of talent. And and then when I went to work with him, he introduced me to all the other talent that was, you know, like that. Johnny Cash and Hank Thompson and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Bob Wills and, oh, my goodness. That,
1: You're as good as any of them. I've seen your show. you Oh, thank you, man. This guy is a real entertainer. I mean, when you go to see a David Frizzell show, you walk away entertained.
0: Oh, I appreciate <laughs> that. Well, you know, that's one of the things that, that Lefty said, too. And I will get my... now, this is not a Lefty interview, though, is it? Really? But I got to tell you, one thing, Lefty was never one of the ones that would say, boy, that boy is good. Or, or he never said it to me. But he did say one time. Uh, that I heard about it. And he said, you know, one, there's a couple of things. That, oh, he said, first off, he'd say, you don't follow a kid act and, <laughs> and, a, and a girl act, you know, or, or strippers. He said, uh, and, and then later on, he added a couple, he said, I got to add a couple more things to that. He said, you don't follow George Jones when he's singing or David when
1: he's entertaining. <laughs> That's a real compliment. Yeah, and amazing. I couldn't agree more.
2: He's a very generous, st- your brother too, because a lot of times you see in these families these rivalries, and, and sometimes they, they don't want you to succeed. And it sounds like he bent oh. over backwards to give you a start and really show that he believed in you. Lefty,
0: almost every day he'd tell me, "So David, David, we gotta we find gotta find David and all this stuff we're doing. We gotta find David." He'd always say. It. Pat me on the back, got to find David here. He said, Don't you don't need to be sounding like me. Well, I'm having trouble with him myself. He said, <laughs> <laughs> he said, We don't need another me. He said, We, we, we got to find, we need David. We need to find David in all this. And he said, All these things. And, and every day he'd tell, Got to find David. And then he'd walk on you. Know, and this one, that one morning was in, at his home in, in, uh, out of Northridge, California. And about 10 o'clock in the morning. He was going through the fridge to open the refrigerator. And I was sitting the, and the, just picking around, you know, just picking around on the guitar. And he came there. He stopped and he looked down. And I looked up at him. He said, got to find David now. You know, you, we got, all these things you're doing, we got to find David. Then he walked in the other room. And he was in there, and I heard him open the refrigerator door. And I, and all that. And he came back through. And he, and I'm still playing. And he stopped, and he looked down at me, and he said, "And we don't need another Bob Dylan
1: either." It's <laughs> 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 so fun spending time with you. I always enjoy you so much. Oh, thank you. Appreciate you, man.
2: Next week, the country music duo Thompson Square joins the podcast. We'll find out how these two met, fell in love, and are now making beautiful music together, only on Children of Song, the podcast everyone's talking about. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening.
0: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.